Hello and welcome to the No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman and with me is Zach Lesher. Um, Zach, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? All right. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm a confessional Lutheran. I'm a hardcore confessional. I'm a self-employed contractor. Uh, married to one wife, father of two children, uh, and I like to lift heavy things and study deep theology. Well, <laughs> that's actually uh, yeah, kind of your rep, man, of, of uh, being being uh, like a bodybuilder or something like that. And and uh, I've seen, you know, I jokingly called you the the credible Hulk because not only are you built like the Hulk, you're very credible. And I've, I've, I've known you for a little while on Facebook, and I've seen you write a bunch of really great things, and I appreciate it. And of course, uh, the Hulk part. That's kind of <laughs> what he does to bad theology, so that always makes it fun. Um, today we're going to be, uh, by the way, I'm Pastor Hoffman. I am the pastor at Christ Lutheran Church and School. I'm also the administrator of the school. We're here in Coos Bay, Oregon. Um, I came down here from Alaska, grew up in Washington. So this Northwest District, as wacky and zany as it is, I call it home. And it's a wonderful place to be a pastor because you always have good opportunities to proclaim the gospel to people here. Um, And as we get started on our very first podcast, uh, I'll ask that everybody be uh, forgiving of it if it's if it's a little primitive, but it's going to grow and, and it's going to become a really cool thing. But the first thing that uh, Zach and I are going to talk about um, is is the book of Romans. And as we're going to talk, first of all, about Paul going into Rome, it's kind of an exciting letter because uh, at the time Paul hadn't been to Rome and he 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 writes them a letter telling them and he's thankful for them and and he sort of knocks the wind out of so many of our church growthy kind of people because he's thankful for not what their church program is or that he's thankful for the faith that he hears exists there in Rome and uh, oftentimes I think we can kind of forget about that and how important it is what do you think Zach? I think it's important, you know, right, right in the, the second text of chapter 1, you know, Paul directly talked to the Roman and points them right back to Holy Scripture. He says, uh, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son who descended from David. So, right off the bat, right into the chapter, Paul is pointing them right back to the written word. Oh, absolutely. Uh... I also like to see him talking about the gospel when we 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 see here that a, that uh, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, and he's pointing, like you said, back to the Scriptures that he exists for the purpose of bringing the gospel, and uh, not not to be a cheerleader, not to be a, a these kind of other kind of community organizers, but to bring them something that they can't get anywhere else, namely the gifts of God. And he begins with the gospel, and um, and the the fact that there's this this fledgling church of faithful people there um, for him to say, well, 
I'm going to try and get out there. I want to come and see you. I want, you know, there's this sense that as Jesus talks about in the parable of the, the seeds, you know, uh, a seed can wither and die without nutrients. And so Paul wants to be out there. And uh, as a pastor, I, I guess I really feel for that. Oh, yeah, that's great. You know, and like Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and I am you for a part from me can do nothing. And, you know, it's one of my favorite texts, and, and that's what I tell my children. You know, that's why we go to church. That's why we do what we do is because, you know, faith needs to be nourished. We don't, you know, like Jesus said, he said, baptize and teach. He didn't say, you know, just baptize and leave them or just teach them and don't baptize, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. The means of grace always work together. And, you know, right here in Romans, you know, we were talking uh, a second ago about, you know, church growth and, and whatever, you know, these other scandals. But uh, Paul says, you know, uh, in the power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. So, you know, he's given the Holy Spirit all due credit for their faith, you know. Oh, for sure. There's another thing uh, when it comes to mustering up. Uh, this isn't a grab myself by the bootstraps. St. Paul is, even in Romans, is recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit and um, the one that was there on Pentecost, uh, the one that, and it's interesting, the one that brings people to faith and also is the nurture of baptism. And so, yeah, you definitely, you definitely see him doing that there. Yeah, you know, um, and that's the thing, is is we have Paul's admonishment, which is great, and, and they've already heard the gospel, but he wants to come to them, and he wants to preach it to them personally. He wants to tell them, make sure that everything's in order with them, right? So, um, you know, one of, one of my favorite texts in Scripture is actually, you know, right in the first chapter where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for the power of God. Right, so it's not the power of me. It's not the power of you. It's not the power of, you know, the pastor. It's the power of God mm -hmm. that's doing, you know, all the work here. Oh yeah, piggybacking right on it of him saying in verse fifteen. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And for everyone who believes to the Jew first and to the Greek, you have him here connect this connection here of the preaching office is to say uh, I'm and to say I'm not ashamed of it. And of course, that could always draw us back to Peter's denial and everything like that. But when you talk about a Christian preacher and the gospel, uh, it isn't like, well, you know, I don't want to offend people. Uh, you know, Paul wasn't like that. <laughs> he was saying, uh, this is the power of God, and I am not ashamed of it. You know what, and, and to piggyback off that, we're, we're studying 1, 2, and 3 John at church right now. And, you know, in, in 1 John, you know, he really talks about uh, the do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. You know, you kind of push back and forth. Um, but... Uh, the, the danger when when uh, pastors don't, um, like you were saying, when they're afraid to call, make the call of repentance or to preach the law, you know, we end up with gospel reductionalism. We end up with a watered-down gospel because what do I need Jesus for 
the law doesn't terrify my conscience. <laughs> well, absolutely. Uh, and for Lutherans, law and gospel, you just um, separating them for us is kind of like a, a a vicious and a brutal divorce where you uh, where if you the parents are separated and they but they still exist even though but if you separate them the unit it doesn't it doesn't work. I mean, it's not, you know, the gospel reductionism, you know, this is the fear that uh, we're, we've we've abandoned law and gospel, and the, the truth is we can't, or we shouldn't. I, I guess we can, but we shouldn't. Yeah, and all this is tied back into uh, uh, Romans here, the first chapter, just to clarify for those listening. So, I mean, so much can be said on so little, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess you have, like, Luther's work and other things, and you know, the commentary, the, the new ones from Concordia, they're just massive. And I said to my pastor today, I said, uh, so there, there's, there's what, you know, a few pages in one, two, and three, John. But I said, you have this giant book here. I said, somebody's <laughs> going to be hot air, you know. Well, it, it's actually part of our liturgy in First John, you know, 1, 7. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we even... I think you make a good segue there to talk about the the liturgical nature or the biblical nature of our liturgy as well. Well, it, it's it's such an excellent gospel promise at the end of the two. I mean, you have the law right there, which is if we say we have no sin, we conceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. Then John immediately gives us the gospel. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when people despair, I'm like, well, did you confess your sin? You know, did you did you just pray and confess? Because, you know, Scripture is clear that you're absolved, you know. Uh-huh. So such a great gospel promise there. And then, yeah, like you said, the liturgy uh, still written in that, you know, it just helps people in their daily lives. I, I should say their daily lives as it's Christians and their vocations, you know, you know, like the, how the liturgy teaches that to us. Oh, for sure. Um, again, yeah, the the confession of sins is, is something that comes with uh, the promise of forgiveness. Again, it's not it's not to say, well, I've done this wrong, and we answer with, darn right you have. Well, no, that's not the answer. The answer is, I forgive you. And uh, that's that's certainly that's that's the gospel that John is going to proclaim there in First John. Well, when you were doing my introduction, you know, you said uh, matching the heretics. The reason why I get get like that is because I have so many evangelicals that have come to me in in despair, you know, or, or pride. You know, they're either in the pride or despair part. And like you just said, it's because they have that, okay, they confess their sins, and, and instead of receiving, well, Jesus died in your stead and you're forgiven, they receive the try harder, do better. And, and that just boils my blood, because that's not biblical. So that's where I take, you know, big issue uh, to make sure that people truly understand the gospel and try to shut down anybody that's contrary, you know, well, sure. Uh, and again, when we when we talk about, I think the word uh, love is kind of misused on this. But we, when we say uh, speaking the truth in love, 
And it doesn't mean, you know, say something kind of nice and then that's being loving. But the truth is to say, well, if you're wrong, you're wrong. But I don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. So, you know, you <laughs> you have to come after it with the sense that uh, that when they're going to when they're when if somebody says something and, and for example, if it's patently wrong and it's about our Lord, you're they're not on you're not only uh, trying to win a fight with him, you're basically trying to win over a brother in the sense of saying, well, you know, actually the gospel's like this and and we say something usually when somebody says something that sounds cool about God, it ends up turning him into a taskmaster, the one that Luther feared in the Middle Ages of him all of a sudden just being a, a lawgiver. Yeah, exactly. If we lose the word in the sacraments, if we lose, you know, the gospel in the sacraments, I should say, you know, we, we basically lose our confession of who we are as church. And what we end up doing is we replace those sacraments with either pietism, mysticism, enthusiasm, or revivalism. Mm -hmm. uh, because then we have to invent our own sacraments since we've rejected what God has given us with clear and objective assurance. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that I, I sincerely believe, uh, that even any every church has sacraments whether they're biblical ones or not they'll take something even though if they'll say well baptism is you know it's just a sign of, of your obedience or the lord's supper is just a memorial meal but you do have to say the sinner's prayer <laughs> or, or what about baby dedication you know they just introduce a new sacrament instead of what's been given uh, you know how they have dedication in the, the evangelical church. Um, you know, and it's heartbreaking as a Lutheran to have the answers, to have, you know, the full knowledge of the truth, and to see people, you know, and you try and reason with them from the scriptures and to still see them in denial, you know. So at one point we're stuck here, and again kind of returning to our text, you know, all we can do is keep preaching the same word of God and trust in the Spirit, you know, to convert their heart. By all means. And again, it, I was talking about this in Bible study uh, last Sunday, about how what we do to the outside world might seem repetitive or even, you know, uh, boring. But for the Christian who hears the gospel well, they're also, well, they're hearing the same forgiveness because they are the same sinner who needs the same Jesus. And the burden of coming up with a new Jesus every week, well, that's overwhelming. And it's never as good of a Jesus as the one that we have already every week. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and, you know, to, to piggyback on what you said, I've, I can't even count how many baptism or Lord's Supper debates, you know, I've been involved in, but, you know, I still will get involved. I see one go by because I've, I've prepackaged a list of texts. I think you know, most people know this. Um, I went back a long time ago. I got tired of rewriting, you know, the same stuff over and over again. So <laughs> I started packaging apologetics. So, uh, by doing so, I can just go pull up, you know, a file I have, okay, this is modernism or baptism, or, and I can just at least leave the people with a list of texts to go to go read in context, you know, go back, read these in context, go check the verb, 
Let's see who's doing the what here, you know, and what's happening. Right, for sure. And again, when you're using, and you make a good point, one of the things that becomes very important is, and this is this is supposed to be a foundational for Lutherans, is to say that I have a biblical witness and you make the important point of saying in context even. It's got to be in context so you don't get weird, you know, if you bullet bullet point a Bible verse, you can make it say anything. But if you read it in context, you get the greater picture. Yeah, and that's a huge thing. Um, I think most people don't get that. And whenever I post just the verse, you know, it's with the intention that it's going to be read in its full context. So, um, it, without the context, exactly. I mean, and and sometimes, you know, it could be two, three pages or, uh, you know, chapter to get the context surrounding a certain text. So, um, you know, I, I, would, I would make the example, of, you know, when I'm in the Old Testament, that there's a place where I have to go read at least, you know, two chapters back and two chapters ahead to make sure that I, I have the right context because it's more difficult, you know, than the New Testament. So. Right. Well, I mean, otherwise you want to be careful not to get things like, do you remember like the prayer of Jabez and stuff like that? That If you just get like one Bible verse here um, and you build your whole ministry on it and next thing you know that you're you're telling God you're demanding from him what he should give you. <laughs> and uh, sure. scary. Yeah. So I will say, I will say, and, uh, since we started to talk a little bit about the pastoral ministry and everything, we actually have our very first email. Somebody has actually sent us an email and they had a they had a question for us and I thought, well, it's it's a little bit of a funny one and I'll read it here. Uh, the this question comes from uh, Glorianne and she asks she says, Greetings. Are pastors both very correct and very wrong about various things because they are human and all men are liars, so they will never be completely right? <laughs> I guess I've spent enough time now in the parish to where uh, you kind of have to translate this stuff. And, and I think the first, the first question uh, a, a pastor must ask himself is not just about right and wrong, but am I being faithful? And so you want to make sure that a, a faithful pastor can still make a mistake like, oh, that's right. How many people was it that crossed over? the the um the red sea but not to say well jesus was actually not born of a virgin i mean there's a there's a difference between oh i made an error and and i was wrong because i'm a liar sure uh, well and and not every pastor we don't blame like like the papacy to be invaluable in what we say we we claim that god's word is invaluable and i would say Thanks for the question, and I would say that um, uh, that the pastors in the Lutheran Church are not speaking their own words; they're speaking the word of God. And uh, Paul says to Timothy, "You know, preach the word in season and out of season." And as you just said, you know, making mistakes. He elaborates on that, and it says, "You know, the the word of God is profitable for proof, reproof, and in training." Uh, in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. So, 
do do they do Lutheran pastors make mistakes? Yes, but like you said, is it you know to the point of incarnation or the two natures of Christ or you know something to do with the creed? I would say fairly rarely. You know, no. Yeah, and you know, could it? Could we have the wrong number of people? You know, on an Old Testament text, sure. Um, but we're not claiming infallibility in the <laughs> office of holy ministry, and we are asking people, pastors, do do admit when they take their vows that they're going to make mistakes. That that uh, you know, and that's that's why too. Uh, I would say. We have a board of elders, so I'll toss it back to you. Why don't you tell us what your board of elders does? Oh man, we are on so on the same page. That's that's what I was going to follow up with. We have a board of elders here. At least I'll I can't speak for all, but I can speak for Christ Lutheran's board of elders, and two of them are actually pastors' kids, which we jokingly, you know, we make about how how damaged they are. But the truth of the matter is, is they they continually. They pray for me, uh, we study the scriptures together, we discuss the situation in the congregation, um, they, they ask me, is there anything I can, I can pray for you on, things like this, and uh, although this is a joke, the way I say it, the actual application is not a joke, if I were up there and I were preaching just heresy, the elders would be compelled to say, to stop it, to say, you know, you're up there saying that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, something like that. You need to stop. And, and so that's kind of an interesting dynamic in the Missouri Synod. Not all Lutherans have our polity. And so I think for us, it's a real blessing to have these, as our constitution says, mature Christian men to be our elders. Yeah, in my introduction, I left that out. I actually sit on the board of elders. I am an elder in my church, and I believe I'm the youngest elder to ever be appointed to office. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, you know, and that goes kind of with the call, you know. So, like the Holy Spirit calls men to be pastors, you know, he calls men to serve as elders. So, uh, and yeah, you know, it's like you said, you know, we, we get along great with, with our pastors here, and... Uh, you know, we, we study together, we learn together at the same time, you know, we, we all keep each other's doctrine in check. So we have this uh, checks and balances, you know, in, in the tenets so that we don't uh, drift off, you know, from from what the creed is. Sure. And and I believe in a pastor doesn't just should want it, but they also need it. It's good to have a, a spiritually mature man to have talks with and also on another topic every pastor should have their own father confessor uh, a pastor that they feel comfortable confessing their sins to but i digress but with the elders um these guys are people that i've felt very comfortable saying you know here's something that's really weighing and i don't know what the answer is i could really use your input and and they're they're just totally non-judgmental guys who will actually just roll up their sleeves and say, "Well, let's let's pray about this, and then then we'll see what we can do." Yeah, you know, it, it, it's definitely a blessing, and it's it's good to have you know other godly men and godly minds all focused around you know a certain topic, you know, 
Um, and, and the problem is, we've, we've had recently had five funerals uh, in, in the last four weeks in my congregation. So uh, I know I, I spoke to my pastor, you know, as an elder, and I said, you know, I just told him, hey, I'm praying for you. If there's anything you need, I'm here because I know how he's viewed as opposed to how we're viewed. So the, the problem is, 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 is most pastors viewed as a, this man that's, you know, just like Jesus. You know, he's holy, righteous, and perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, which is true if we talk about, you know, his baptismal regeneration. He is technically holy, righteous, and per- perfect, but he also has a human sinful nature. So, sure. you know, he has a caving point also. So, you know, I knew that stuff was probably weighing hard on my pastors, and I, I just said, you know, if, if there's anything you need, I'm here to help with anything. So, you know, and they just said, they're fine. But, you know, it's good to have that kind of teamwork in the church uh, to, to lift each other up, you know, when, when things get to be, uh, when they seem like they're overwhelming. And, and, of course, we have the comfort of the gospel through all that. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, I believe, some of the best things that my elders have brought to me is to say, well, you know what, Pastor? I think you need to hear the gospel too. <laughs> and so when uh, when I'm struggling with something and and they're they you know at first you know they'll they're a little nervous like oh man if he's struggling with it what are we gonna do? But then they realize you know what uh, he needs to hear the same gospel that we need to hear every week. And so um, that that's just you know kind of how it goes. And uh, especially like with visitations, if I'm having a crazy week. They might say, you know what, let me do this. I'll go out and I'll let them know. And because also being the school administrator here, things can be very, very busy. And so sometimes they'll take a, they'll take that off and they'll go and say, well, pastor, sorry, he couldn't be here. But as your elder, I'm, I'm happy to be here to pray with you and everything. And um, he, pastor, will be here, you know, in the next couple of days, he'll bring you the sacrament, something like that. And so um, they do a lot to, uh, to help keep and maintain my reputation as well exactly and to piggyback off of that it's just we're talking about the office of holy ministry i'll throw it back to you and i'll ask you to teach us uh, what paul means uh as a pastor to not be above reproach yeah so um well you know when when he when, like you were saying you know there's an issue there and uh uh, you actually have to take advice, you know, and Paul, Paul says one of the qualifications for pastors to not be above reproach. So. Yeah. Well, certainly, uh, if uh, I should be somebody who, uh, if I'm in error, the elders should be able to come to me, but also don't be one of these guys who's always in error. <laughs> so it's definitely... Uh, it's kind of a, it's a very fine line that we have to walk. Sure, and you know what, I, I understand that too. Even even as an elder, you know, I try to uh, mimic my family close to the pastoral model laid out in scripture. Yeah, you know, well disciplined children, husband and one wife, etc. Because it reflects back on everything. Kind of comes back on Jesus, you know. Uh, we want to make sure it's Christians that our uh, outward righteousness uh, always looks good, you know, to the world. Right. Um, 
Well, I'll tell you what. Um, we're starting to get close to the end here. Um, I I hope that the people who are listening to this are, are are willing to send in questions. And as this podcast grows, it will eventually most likely go to video, and we'll we'll try to make more things available. But uh, on the topic of I wanted to say this of no drama. It's just a reason. It's a podcast that's supposed to be for everybody. It's not, you know, we're not going to argue about these minutiae details of every little thing that people want to fight over. But really, it's supposed to be a law and gospel scripture centered um, podcast. And, and certainly, as you've heard from Zach, he's he's spot on on this. And you can tell this is where his passion is. And um, as we continue on with this, if you've got suggestions or input, email us. Our email address is lutheranstuff.nodrama at gmail.com. And so as we close up here, Zach, is there anything you'd like to, to add on? Yeah, uh, stick around because Romans is going to get uh, a lot better. Paul keeps building and building. And I would say that, that our goal is to... Meet uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller over there at Table Talk Radio, and and we become the new mediocre podcast. So, oh, uh, you you brought in Wolf Mueller into it. Oh no, let's we'll just. Uh, I I don't know if I have to beep that out or what. So uh, he might be going. What are you well, talking I talk, about? I talked to him the other day, and he said, "I said, hey, if we ever get to it, are you willing to come on?" That he's up for anything. So, oh yeah, uh, I know him. And his dad actually goes to a church south of mine here, and so uh, uh, there I've had some some contact with him. So it, he's a great guy, and he's certainly a very faithful Lutheran pastor. So now that we have invoked the Wolfmuller name, we may have to call him up and go, "Okay, dude, we've done it. You got to come on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said he was up for it. I did go listen to him. Uh last weekend and that was a great privilege to hear him uh speak and lecture on the book for for a day and on the christian conscience the night before so um well that's awesome that's cool that you even got a chance to do that well um i think that's it for today so uh, until i will say next week uh, i pray that you 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 have a, a wonderful week and, and god bless every day Awesome, and I pray that everybody listening is blessed by this, and that um, the peace of the Lord dwells in your heart richly. <laughs>